Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and tonight we have an interview with James Reasoner, author of the brand new Gabriel Hunt novel, At the Well of Eternity. Welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. On today's podcast, I'm happy to be joined by James Reasoner, a prolific Western writer and the author of 232 novels written under his name and a variety of pseudonyms. Reasoner's most recently published novel is At the Well of Eternity, the first Gabriel Hunt novel, a new paperback series designed to be an homage to the pulp adventure novels of the 1930s and 40s. You can find James online at jamesreasoner.net or his Rough Edges blog at jamesreasoner.blogspot.com. James, welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thank you. Good, good. Well, as I mentioned in the introduction, you've written 232 novels, and according to the emails that we were trading before this interview, you're now working on number 233. I'm always working on something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your first novel, Texas Wind, was published in 1980. My first question, and probably a question that a lot of people have, is how do you write 232 novels? Uh, You sit in front of the computer a lot of hours. (laughs) Actually, I started out, when I started writing, I was writing in, uh, doing first drafts in longhand with with a fountain pen, that's how old I am, in a spiral notebook. So I went from that to a, typing drafts on a manual typewriter and then an electric typewriter and finally a computer. So you spend a lot of time in front of those various things. Right, right. Well, you you started out writing mystery short stories in the late 1970s, if I'm not mistaken, for the Mike Shane Mystery Magazine. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, My first uh, story in Mike Shane appeared in, I believe, the August 1977 issue, something like that. So. Right. So your first published work was short stories. Um, I'm just curious, did you feel like you have to build up your stamina, so to speak, to be able to shift into writing the the number of novels that you've written? Well, I think when people start out to write, a lot of times they think that short stories will be easier because, you know, they're short. You know, (laughs) when you look at the task of trying to, you know, write a 300 or 400 page or 500 page manuscript, that's a pretty daunting thing for somebody who's never done anything like that before but you think well you know i can i can do 10 pages i can do 15 pages you know but, uh, of course we all learn as time goes by it's here to write a good novel than it is to write a good short story but you don't know that when you're starting out <laughs> right right um well your first novel was texas wind a mystery and then you quickly moved into writing western novels including many titles in some of the adult western series long arm and trailsman um, since your first novel was a mystery and crime novel, have you ever thought about trying to write more mysteries or a mystery series? Oh, I've I've always uh, uh, considered myself. I, I started out as a mystery writer, uh, 
between the uh, the short stories and the novel and you know I wrote the Mike Shane stories in Mike Shane Mystery Magazine for several years I had published you know probably a, a couple million words as a mystery writer before I ever wrote a western uh, so I I've always considered myself a mystery writer uh, it's my first love you know, I, I love westerns I love doing them uh, even in the westerns though I tend to do a lot of them that are actually mysteries. There's always mystery elements, right. nearly always mystery elements in my westerns. So, um, yeah, I would love to to go back and and do some more uh, crime novels and, or or write a mystery series. You know, when the time comes, if if it ever does, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm staying busy, and that's the main thing I'm worried about. Right. Right. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, your your latest novel is At the Well of Eternity, the, the first book in the Gabriel Hunt series. Charles R. Dye, the publisher of the popular and critically acclaimed hard case crime series of paperback crime novels, came up with the idea for the Gabriel Hunt series. Is this a series and a, a style of writing that you particularly enjoy? Uh, yes. When Charles first uh, emailed me about this and described the series and asked if I would be interested in, in possibly contributing to it, I emailed him back immediate, immediately and said I was born to write this stuff. <laughs> and you know, I, I've always been a big fan of adventure fiction. You know, uh, I, I grew up at just the right time to in, in the 60s to get all the, uh, the the reprints of the pulps from the from the 30s. I you know I read all the Doc Savages. I you know I, I knew when those Bantam editions of Doc Savage were were supposed to come out. You know, and, and I was there at the store the day they came out to get them. So you know, I love that that sort of adventure fiction and I you know, I grew up reading uh, uh, Robert E. Howard also who was a, a great adventure writer and, and you know I, that's just in my blood I think right um, and and I'm just curious about that because I know from reading your blog that you that you have um, what I would consider particularly vivid and, and poignant memories of of um, buying comic books and novels at an early age and I wonder have you ever thought about what it was that appealed to you about those westerns and crime novels and comic books. I think. Uh, are you still there? I kind of yep. lost. I'm here. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Cut out there for a second. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I've always just been very much attracted to strong storytelling, and you know, growing up in the '60s and reading all those pulp reprints and reading all the paperback originals that were being published then, it was the same type of fiction. Uh, I, I like a fast-moving story. I like a, a story with with good characters in it, but I, you know, I want things happening too. That's just uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, I I've, I've always been drawn to that sort of uh, fiction, but I know that when I was very young, I started making up stories for my own enjoyment. So I guess it, it's always been there. There's been a, a desire to to read good stories and to spin good yarns and that's just the type of person that i am sure sure do, do you remember when you actually sat down and started trying to to write short stories I, I know you mentioned earlier you started out and you were writing longhand uh what age were you uh the first story that i remember ever writing i was probably in the fifth grade which would make me what uh, 11 or 12 years old 11 years old probably right uh and yeah, those were written in, in longhand on notebook paper. I you know, would be writing stuff like that at school sometimes when I should have been working on other things. 
And so did you write those for school assignments? Hmm? Excuse me? Did you write those for school assignments? No. No, I just wrote for my own entertainment. Um, now, I do remember when I was in grade school, we had to, uh, we had, of course, a list of spelling words every week, and one of the assignments was to uh, use those spelling words, you know, write a sentence for every spelling word. And I'm sure most people would just, you know, come up with some kind of um, sentences unrelated to each other. Uh, I had a tendency of writing, if we had 20 spelling words, I wrote a little 20-sentence short story uh, using, you know, one of those spelling words in each sentence. <laughs> right, right. That sounds great. Um, I, I wonder from, from all of the stories and, and books that you've written, do you have a particular favorite novel or series of novels? Well, I'm real fond of my first book, of course. I think every, everybody is. I see some flaws in it when I go back and look at it now, but it has a lot of that, that raw first novel enthusiasm in it that I really like. Uh, there's a book called Under Outlaw Flags that I wrote for Berkeley about 10 years ago that's a historical novel uh, that's a, partially a Western and partially a World War One novel, and I'm very fond of it. Uh, uh, I actually appear as a character in that, in that book in several of my books. Now, you may wonder how I got myself in, in a book that's set you know, during World War One when I'm not nearly that old, but uh, I managed and then I'm very fond of this this new uh, Gabriel Hunt book too. I, I had a great time uh, working on it. And when I was reading back over the the page proofs, the finished manuscript of it, there was a moment there I stopped and I thought, I wish I was 14 years old and could read this book for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a great feeling. It was. I, I really enjoyed that. Great. Stay tuned, and we'll have more of our interview right after this. The Kindle Chronicles is a Friday audio podcast all about the Amazon Kindle e-reader. I'm Len Edgerly, and each week I present Kindle news, tech tips, an interview, a quote, and listener comments. I've been a writer all my life, and I'm doing this podcast because the Kindle has simply renewed my love of reading. I hope you'll stop by for a listen. You can find me at thekindlechronicles.com or by searching for Kindle in the podcast area of the iTunes store. Well, given your consistent success in, in writing and publishing, do you have any specific advice for aspiring writers and people who would like to try to make a living at writing fiction? Uh, persistence. Be very stubborn about it. Uh, um, conduct yourself professionally. That's, that's a major part of it, I think. Even when I was starting out, I, I learned how to, to do manuscript format and, and uh, I always tried to turn in nice clean copy you know, to when I would send out stories uh, and it certainly of course helps to have a, a certain amount of luck and uh, it also helps to marry well. I, I married a woman who's a, was very encouraging and, and very intelligent and as a writer herself turned out to be. So that Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That certainly is. I can't always control that. Right, right. Uh, again, from reading your blog, I know that you're very widely read and, and you read a lot. Who are some of your favorite writers and what writers do you feel have, have influenced you the most? I, I know that you mentioned earlier growing up reading the Doc Savage books and Robert E. Howard. Uh, Howard has probably been one of the biggest influences on on my writing career. Not so much in the way that he wrote, but the way that he conducted his career. Uh, I mean, he grew up in a small town in Texas and didn't really know any other writers, but, uh, but was able to forge a career for himself as a writer. And I, I always took that as, as inspiration. And, you know, I do like, I'm sure I read as much, so much of his work, and I'm sure that some of it did uh, rub off on me as well. But uh, Howard was definitely an influence. Uh, growing up, I read a ton of comics books, so, you know, and that was during the era when Stan Lee was writing everything for Marvel, so I probably read as many words of Stan Lee's work as anybody's. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I went through uh, a lot of different phases where I, I read different sorts of mysteries. Uh, I, I read uh, uh, British Cozies for a long time when I was in, like, eighth grade, and I, I discovered Mickey Spillane when I was in sixth grade, and, uh, you know, the other writers that I ran into, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs and Max Brand, a lot of the pulp writers. And boy, when I started reading the, the hard-boiled private eye stuff, oh, I really ripped through those. Uh, uh, Shell Scott and, and the Mike Shane books. Uh, I, I remember vividly uh, there used to be uh, what they called a bookmobile that would come out to our little town uh, once a week, every Saturday, from the, from the main library in, in, in the county seat. And I, I remember checking out uh, a copy of This Is It, Michael Shane, from the bookmobile and reading it when I was probably you know, 11 or 12 years old. And, you know, of course, never dreaming at that time that, that someday I would be writing Mike Shane stories myself. But, uh, so I, I, I read probably more mysteries than anything else growing up, but mm -hmm. I read a lot of westerns, a lot of science fiction, you know, just really whatever I could get my hands on. It's, it sounds like you were a voracious reader from, from an early age. Do you remember exactly when you first started reading and maybe what some of your first uh, specific memories of reading a book on your own? Uh, I, I remember I was six years old my older sister took me to the bookmobile for the first time, and I, you know, I looked at it and thought, wow. You know, before that, I don't. I, I and my older brother and sister reading to me and things. Uh, I read a lot of the, the books, and once I started reading, I read a lot of books in a series about Freddy the Pig by Walter Brooks. I'm, I'm sure some of the, your listeners probably are familiar with Freddy the Pig. Uh, which were sort of mysteries in a way, because Freddie was a talking pig and he fancied himself a detective. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I read, and then I read the Hardy Boys books. I never read many Nancy Drews. I was I was a, a, a little boy and I didn't want to read those girl books. I, <laughs> I, 
I know there are a lot of Nancy Drew fans out there, but you know, I don't, and I don't mean to offend any of them. Sure. I read the Hardy Boys books, and I read the Rick Brandt books, and any kind of uh, uh, adventure or detective. You know, I read the the Three Investigators, you know, the series, and I just uh, I, I, I know those, those well. I know those Three Investigators well. I, I really enjoyed those growing up. Yeah, and it was it was a real kick. One of the great things about being a writer is the people that you meet. And, and years later, remembering reading those three investigators' books, and some of them were, were written by Dennis Lenz, and you know, and I corresponded with Dennis Lenz and got to know him, things like that. Or you know, I, I've always gotten a, a, a lot of enjoyment out of that. I'm I'm still a fan in a lot of ways. Sure, sure. And if I'm not mistaken, those three investigator books, the the original ones are out of print. You can't go into a bookstore now and and even order those. Probably right. Which is which is a shame. Um, I'm I'm curious, and well, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, where exactly did you grow up in Texas? Um, I live in a little town uh, just northwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and that's that's where I've I've always been. Uh, right now, I'm sitting in my house, which is about oh, two miles as the crow's flies from the house the crow's fly from where I grew up. So, I've always been here in this area in, in North Texas. And, and what is the name of the town? It's uh, Azle, A-Z-L-E. A-Z-L-E. Yep. Okay. Azle, Texas. It was a little town out in the country when we moved out here in the 50s. Um, we moved here when I was two weeks old, so I don't really remember living anywhere else. Uh, it's not a little town anymore. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a suburb now, but uh, we're still uh, kind of out in the country where, where I live now. So, you know, it's... A little bit of a little bit of country feel to it left. Right, right. Uh, I, I, in uh, in recent years, many people have written about the decline in readership for Western novels. I wondered if you've given any thought to that and what you attribute that to. And uh, on the same note, I wondered: Do you think that Western literature will continue even if it's published by small presses? Yeah, I don't think the Westerns will will ever go. Now the market for it has shrunk, uh, obviously, and I, I don't know exactly why that is. Some of it has to do with the fact that it's it's just not a favorite genre anymore. The the fans of that of the western have literally died off over the years and haven't been replaced by enough new readers. Now there are still new western readers out there. I'm in contact with a bunch of uh, uh, western fans who are who are young and enthusiastic about reading westerns and and there are still some western writers who are young and enthusiastic about it uh it's just not <laughs> something that that uh, is as popular as it once was and some of that is, is to a certain extent a self-fulfilling prophecy the the publishers look at the numbers and the numbers aren't as good so they don't uh they don't publish as many westerns and the print runs on the ones they do publish are not as big as they used to be so naturally they sell even less and and you know, it just keeps shrinking that way. Now, I don't think it's going to go away because I think there are enough fans who still enjoy the Westerns, and I think there are enough people who still enjoy uh, writing them like I do. Uh, but it's definitely a smaller market than it once was. Sure, sure. Uh, I wondered with the amount of writing that you do and the number of novels that you've written, do you do you write from a detailed outline at this point, or 
do you, with some of your adult Westerns, do you write from possibly a one or two page proposal? I, I just was curious about the process there. Uh, over the years, I've written from, uh, from just about every sort of outline. Um, I used to work for a, a book packager who liked to have like 40 page outlines. I never was comfortable with that. That's not, that's not something that I, I really like to do. And there are some books that I've written with no outline at all. Just you know, started writing and see where see where it went. I I like to have a, like a three or four page outline that gives me enough detail that I don't get lost along the way in in the story. But uh, uh, it gives me plenty of leeway to to do what I want to do with it too, and still be creative while I'm while I'm writing. But you know, any, anything from you know a page or two up to four or five pages works real well for me. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I wonder what are you working on now, and when will your next book be published? Uh, I don't have anything coming out that I that I know of that I can actually claim, other than maybe a few <laughs> uh, series westerns. I've got some long arms and some trailsmen in the pipeline that are coming out. Uh, I I do a lot of uh, ghost writing, and right the book I'm working on right now will come out under a under a name that I can't reveal. Let's put right. it that way. Right. Well, well, good. I, I think that's all of the questions that I had written down. Um, if there's anything else that you wanted to add, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'd be glad to hear it. I don't know if there's anything we haven't covered. I uh, can't really think of anything right at the moment. Okay. Well, well, James, thanks again for joining us for the Reading and Writing Podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about James Reasoner and his novels, Again, you can check out his website at jamesreasoner.net or you can check out his Rough Edges blog at jamesreasoner.blogspot.com. Thanks. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to our feed in iTunes, or you can leave a review of this podcast on iTunes. And if you'd like to leave a voicemail, we can include your audio comment in a future episode of the podcast. The voicemail line is 206-888-2731. Again, that's 206-888-2731. Thanks again for listening, and we will be back in two weeks with another interview with a writer that you enjoy reading.